Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Amen. So where are we going here? Mark chapter number two. So if you, if you, if you wish, you can open your Bibles up to Mark chapter number two. Um, I like saying that chapter number. So you can go there, chapter number two, Mark. It's like halfway through your Bible, it's a gospel. Mark's one of the guys who hung out with Jesus. He saw Jesus, he talked with Jesus, he watched Jesus, and he wrote a lot down about Jesus. It's one of those stories. We've been talking about this story for some time now, so I'm just going to read through the story, and then I'm going to catch you up, and then I'm going to share uh, the message of the day. So Mark chapter 2, I'm just going to read it right here. You can follow with me. I'm going to start at verse 1, and I'm going to go, I don't know, to about 12 verses. Hey, I asked you guys last two weeks to go home and read this. Anybody actually go home and read it? Look at that. At least you're honest. That's why I love Baltimoreans. I love the North because we are honest. We're brutally honest, but we're honest. Next time when the pastor says go home and read the Bible and he gives you something to read, actually consider doing it. You know, maybe God asked me to tell you that. I don't know. Mark chapter number two. We'll read it together, church. When Jesus returned, Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Jesus was back home. Verse 2, soon the house he was staying at was so packed with visitors, it was so filled, that there was no more room, not even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived, and they were carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus, well, because of the crowd, So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered this man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Verse 5. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law were sitting there and thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is one of them crazy churches. This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Verse 8, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he in turn asked them, why do you ask this question in your heart? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, So then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Verse 12, And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed. Say amazed with me. They were all amazed. And praise God, exclaiming, We have never seen anything like this before. Heavenly Father, I'm praying again. Lord, you know how I am. You know, anytime I get a chance, I want to talk to you. I'm praying again. Lord, will you allow us to amaze you today? Lord, will you be involved in amazing us today? Father God, will you be a part of something we can say, I've never seen that before. Father God, will you allow this word to get into our spirits, into our souls, Lord God, and bear fruit? Will you allow it to speak to each and every one of us something real, something true, something new? And Lord, I pray for you to be honored in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I read you a story from the Bible, Mark chapter number two. Now I want to 
I want to tell you this story. See, his story was about a man. A man who had heard about Jesus. People would talk to him about Jesus. But this man, he was struggling in life. He had a difficult time in life. Sure, people told him about Jesus. Sure, he heard about Jesus. But Jesus wasn't around when he needed him. He goes about his life and people would often give him advice. Tell him what to do. Tell him how he could live life better. Tell him what he should be doing, what he shouldn't be doing. But nothing seemed to work. Life just kept being a struggle. He kept feeling inadequate. Feeling not enough. Feeling confused. Life around him was still suffering. This man was paralyzed, church. So that means he couldn't walk into a church like you and me. He couldn't walk into a pastor's office. He couldn't walk to a group of friends or go out to a night of dinner. He was in his mat. He heard Jesus was coming to town, as did everyone. And I'm sure he wondered. He wondered, what is this Jesus really going to be about when he gets here? Can he help me? Can I even get to him? You see, before he had much time to think, Jesus was already there. Word, word spread quickly. And so when Jesus got there, he filled up the entire town with followers and, and groupies and everything else. And they just filled the town. And so he, I'm sure he looked out his window and he's like, wow, look at all these people here to see Jesus. All people who've been following Jesus, who know Jesus, maybe people who've been tracking Jesus and people who were new and, and were excited to just run and be up front with Jesus. And what is this Jesus all about? Let's find out. Let's test him out myself. Let's see if he's real. I'll go touch on Jesus. Yet the paralyzed man didn't have that ability. No, he sat at his window and wondered, what is it about this Jesus? You see, the man's sickness was great. And in those days, you need to understand, in those days, a great sickness was often associated with great sin. In other words, if you were really sick, if you were paralyzed or had leprosy or couldn't see or couldn't talk, you had great, you know, infliction, the people of the world would believe that's because you've had great sin on your life. You've done something in your past, in, in your own life, that was dishonoring to God, so he's cursing you, or at least allowing Satan to. And if it wasn't you, perhaps it was your father or your father's father, and your past is bringing you down great sin. And for great sin required great remission of sin, but back then the only way to remit that sin was to shed blood. And so there the paralyzed man sat, wondering, what can this Jesus do for me? A great sinner, a great sick man. The man must have thought over the years, what am I doing wrong? Why must I suffer? He must have been thinking, why me? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does the world work the way it does? Why me? I'm sure all those thoughts went through his mind. Why does God hate me so? I'm sure he talked to his friends about it, and I thank God today that the Bible talks about relationships and friendships. Because in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his struggle, he didn't lose his humanity. 
And so he began to interact with his friends. And his friends, I'm sure, tried to encourage him. They tried to take him places he couldn't go. They tried to lift him up when he was depressed. They tried to let him know that life could be better, that they would help him out. This man had four of such friends to keep his head above water, to keep him, keep him encouraged in difficult times. This was his community. This was his together faith. His group of people that encouraged him, his four friends. And I'm sure they said, today, today Jesus is here. Today will be your day. Today you, you may overcome today. Oh, I, I can't get there. I can't get there. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll take you. Oh, it's too far. We have to go down the hills and over there. And we have to walk over the rocks and it's hot today. It's, our feet are going to hurt, you know, and, and, you know, I don't want to be, you know, drug on your back and you have to sit me down. You know, I have my mat here. No, no, we're going to get all the friends together. All four of us will take you. I don't know. It's so busy out there. And I'm sure they said together, today we're going to meet Jesus. I'm sure they said it to him. Today, if you sit in a chair, today we're going to meet Jesus. Today we're going to meet Jesus. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, right. They grabbed him. They began to take him. If they weren't frustrated, you know, through the whole discourse of his life and suffering and the conversations they've had up to this point, they had to walk across town. They finally get there, and I'm sure they got frustrated when they saw the group of people, the crowds. How are we possibly going to get them to Jesus? I mean, sure, we can weave and wade through the crowds, duck and, and, and move, but we can't get our friend there. How are we going to do this? Discouragement, suffering, how are we going to get past this? Did they give up, church? No. You know, perhaps their excitement went to frustration at this point, thinking Jesus couldn't do anything anyway, let's just go home. I imagine the friends saying, well, we need this. We need Jesus. We can't do this without Jesus. We need a miracle worker. They say he's a miracle worker. They say he's God. We're getting you to God. So they put him on this gurney, and they said, we're going to climb this roof. And they're going to climb. And they had was a stair, kind of like a, a makeshift fire escape back then. They climbed the stairs up onto the roof, and they could see down. And all the people, and they probably were overwhelmed by how many people and how close they were to Jesus. And one of them ran off and grabbed some rope. And another one ran off and, and kneeled down on the roof and began to pick up the straws and began to pick up the, the sticks um, and began to create an opening. And the other one uh, took over and, 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 and tied the ropes to the, the, the gurney. And then they began to lower them down. Did they give up, church? Did they say, well, I can't make a hole big enough for him. You know, I, it's really high. We may drop him. I, did they give up? No, they didn't give up. They didn't give up. They grabbed the rope. They found an opening. They lowered him down. Were they even going to go in and talk to Jesus themselves? Were they going to have the opportunity themselves to meet Jesus face to face, to have a conversation with them? No. In deference for their friend, in favor for their friend, they were going to lower him down knowing full well the only one who would get the attention of Jesus this moment would be their sick friend. There was nothing in it for them except for their friend to be healed. The man was lowered down in front of Jesus. And Jesus had some very choice words to share with this man. And this man 
had a very specific decision to make. And that is the story we're reading. Amen? Amen. Now we're on the same page so I can get into the Word because now you understand what's going on here. This isn't just one of those stories. This is one of those amazing mysteries of Scripture, amazing tales that we believe this could never happen. It must only happen back then. So let's get into it. What we've been preaching about the last couple of weeks is this story. We've been taking it apart. And we first we talked about what I call amazing faith. We hit this concept called amazing faith. And I'm going to talk about it real quick. It's very simple. We have the ability to amaze God. We can amaze the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How can we do it? We do it with our faith. You see, faith is something that actually can be seen by God. You know, the word says faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It doesn't mean faith is hope. It doesn't mean faith is unseen. No. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. That there's something in your heart that hopes. That's where faith lives. That thing that hopes for something else. And evidence of things unseen. What is evidence? Evidence is what you do. It's, it's what you show that, 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 that identifies your character. Faith is what you move and act. And amazing faith is exactly that. It's you acting in an amazing way to amaze our God. Amazing faith is what this is about. All through Scripture, it talks about amazing faith and the ability to amaze our God. Amazing faith. That was two weeks ago. That's not today's message. Last week, we talked about another kind of faith. You see, because amazing faith can happen as individuals. We need to come to Christ on our own. You know, we need, to, we need to give our heart to God, not through our parents or our pastor. We need to decide to do it on our own as individuals. And then God loves on us. And then, then we need to follow Christ. And we can't follow Christ alone. We follow Christ with a community of people. It's what we call together faith. You surround yourself in a community of believers. You surround yourself with a community of others that have faith. And they build you up and encourage you in difficult times. Together faith. That's what we're seeing in the scripture. Four guys got together with their fifth friend, and together they were able to do something that couldn't be done alone. Together faith. This is what we talked about last week. We talked about this concept that together we can do even more with our faith than we could do as individuals. And I asked you this question, what is your community of faith today? What is the community that you spend time with? And I want you to evaluate it. I want you to judge it right now. And I'm not talking about here right now on Sunday because I don't see you guys mostly during the week. So you must have communities outside of here. And by the way, whatever they are, whether they're church-related or not, they're communities of faith. They're communities of belief systems. What community are you part of? The Bible makes it clear. Are you part of a community that espouses faith, hope, and love? Do your friends espouse faith, hope, and love? Do your coworkers espouse faith, hope, and love? Do the people you listen to and influence you espouse faith, hope, and love? Or not? Together faith will amaze God even more. And that's not this message. That was last week's message. You can listen to that on the podcast. Today, I'm going to introduce you to an entirely new kind of faith. I didn't know what to call it. I'm praying about it. I'm asking for some fancy type of words. You know, I love play on words and creativity. I'm saying, Lord, what, 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 how can I... How can I demonstrate this type of faith today? This type of faith I want to share in the message today. This faith that's, that's so obvious in this story. How can I share it today? How can I get you excited about it? How can, how can I portray that I am as excited about this as God is and you should be as excited about it as I am? What could I possibly call it? So I got up and I'm like, Lord, what is it? And he said, that's what it's called, Pastor Sean. It's some get up faith. 
Church, we need some get up faith up in here. Do you know what get up faith is? It's the ability to say, I can stand up for what is right. I can stand up for who God is. I can stand up in my pew even if I'm the only one doing it. Some of us need to be able to stand up at church. Some of us need to be able to get comfortable standing up in our pew. Heck, right in the middle of service, you should be able to stand up and get up and praise him. Do you know the kind of get up faith I'm talking about? Activates something. You know what it activates? It activates the impossible. God says with him, nothing is impossible. Church, some of you need to get up. I got one, I got two, I got three. Church, don't you understand what I'm saying? You need to move your body. You need to use your lungs. You need to use your energy. And understand, church isn't a place for me to pour into you. Church is a place for you to activate faith. Now, I don't want to wear you out, so sit down. But if you feel moved... I want you to stand up from time to time. Church, it is hard to preach. It is hard to preach. The Bible calls preaching feeding, like feeding the word. You know, and I've told you this once. I've told you a thousand times. If I'm going to feed you, it would be nice to get a little feedback, right? So a clap, an amen, a stand up, whatever you got to do. Make sure we're on the same page here. Because when the spirit is moving, we need to respond. And some of you know the spirit is moving, and some of you aren't responding. So I need to begin to be comfortable with you guys responding to the word of God, right? Amen. Amen. Let's get into this because I'm getting too excited here, and I may miss what I want to preach here. Okay, Mark chapter 2, verse 4. It says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Look, to me, this is a great example of some get-up faith. This is, I'm not going to be stopped at anything. If there's a crowd, no problem, I'm going around it. If there's a building, no problem, I'm going above it. If Jesus is down there, no problem, I'm going down there. I don't care what it is, what it is, how it is, I'm getting myself to Jesus. I can't even get some of you guys to church. Look what these guys did. And another thing, <laughs> and another thing, for you out there who the word evangelism means something to you, that's a big Christian word with a lot of syllables and it's got a V in it. Those words scare me. Right? So they do. And so let me break it down. Evangelism is pretty simple. It means can you talk about Jesus? Are you capable of talking about Jesus outside of church? Like, can you say to your kid, this is what the Bible says about Jesus? My sons and I and my daughter, we were talking about Charlottesville, and I said, what's the Bible say? What's it say about anger? What's it say about hate? We open it up. We see. You, can you talk about Jesus outside of church? Is it, are you even capable of it? Sometimes when you do that, you're going to stir up some all kind of something. You may stir up some anger. You may stir up some frustration. You may stir up words. You may stir up actions. You may stir up all sorts of things. And sometimes that's off-putting. And you may say, not at work, not at home, not here, not there. Fair enough. You'll create your boundaries. Fine. Look at these men. Did they have boundaries? What are their boundaries? They said, let me define the boundaries and then let me go around them. Right? And what I love about these guys is it, it instills something to me that, you know, I want to use. And Pastor Chris isn't here. Chris was here. I would tell him to remind me because Chris is an evangelist, much like our brother Fred is. Uh, they like to share the word. And I would say, Chris, I don't want to hear the word evangelism anymore. I want to hear the word creative evangelism. This is a great example of creative evangelism. When you can't find a way, make a way. When you can't make a way, think of another way. When you can't think of another way, pray for a way and then go. You church, this is creative evangelism. This is saying, I'm going to get to Jesus no matter what. If you don't want to go to Jesus, no problem. I'm going to take you to Jesus. If I can't get through the front door, I'll take it there. If I can't take you to Jesus, I'll bring Jesus to you. One way or another, you getting some Jesus. Creative evangelism. If this verse doesn't scream creative evangelism, I don't know what does. Church, we need to get more creative about our evangelism. 
No, we just want to say, Jesus loves you. That should be enough. What well, used to be enough, church, but this world is confused between love and hate, so it's not enough. We just sit down with people and have conversations and take some time, but I need to move. Assisting. What else do I notice here? I love sports. Anybody who knows me knows there's never going to be a sermon without a sports analogy somewhere in it. And let me tell you what I love about sports. I love team sports better than individual sports. I love team sports, I don't know, because together you can accomplish more, you know. There's no I in team, only me, all those things. I love that stuff. So anyway, one thing I love in sports is when you score in team sports, there's a concept of scoring points and there's concepts of assists. In basketball, if you score a layup, oftentimes somebody passed you the ball and then you get a layup. That's an assist. It counts as much as the, the point on the statistical sheet. In football, in order to catch a touchdown, a quarterback needs to throw the touchdown. In order to throw the touchdown, somebody needs to snap the football. You know, soccer, right? Okay, soccer's a good sport. It, you know, if the wingman's running up, you need to center the ball before it's striked, and then it's striked into the goal. Sure, there's one-man armies all the time, but those aren't the best teams. The best teams are ones that have lots of assists. God is no different. Here is a great example of Christians giving him an assist. Can God do all things? Yes. Why did he use Moses? I don't know. He could have split the sea and let water run and draw manna without Moses, but he chose not to. He chose to let Moses assist him. He had chose to use me to assist him this morning, and he's choosing every one of you to assist him with some creative evangelism. Use your skills and your talents to assist God today. And in this case, it could just be bringing somebody to church like this man did, these four friends. It could be getting together with some friends and taking and finding the need of someone else. This is a humanitarian need. This man was paralyzed. He needed something, something deep down inside. He needed to hear some encouraging words. He needed to hear somebody begin to put him on the right path. If there are needs in the church, they need to be brought to the church. I can't help you unless I know about it. And church, I can't solve it, me, myself, and I, Sean Simon. No, I can't. That's why we have a church. We are Kingsway. We have a pastoral team. We have a hundred of you that are willing to join with me and support this community. If there are needs and you know about it, bring them to the church. If there are needs you know somebody else has, you tell them to bring it to church together. You help them bring. Bring the assist to Kingsway Christian Center. When you bring the assist, God will deliver. Amen? He's the scorer. We're the assister. So I thought that was cool, and I wanted to share that with you. But there's one more part of this verse that I, that I really was spoken to um, by the Holy Spirit. This was interesting, and I'm not sure exactly how this is going to come out, um, but I just, in my spirit, we have this concept of get up faith. And, and, and these guys, are they're getting up, and they're getting to it, ripping up the roof and, 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 and bringing them down, and, and they will let nothing stop him. You know, and a lot of times in church, if you've got this kind of get up faith, you know, oftentimes is, and we, we have conversations about this all the time, people put themselves on pedestals. The whole church is about a pastor, or it's about a worship leader, or it's about these individuals at church. And there's this, there's, this, there's this stigma in Christian circles where these men almost build themselves up, or women build themselves up, you know, bigger than Christianity, bigger than life, bigger than God. And, and, and you know, and I don't know much about all that because I'm not in those circles, and I'm just little old Sean and little old Kingsway loving what God is doing. But I will tell you this. When I look at this, this get-up faith we talk about, it started with a really interesting concept of lowering someone down. In other words, I'm of the mindset that get-up faith starts or has a component or it's somewhere in it has a concept of being lowered down. You know, have you ever been let down before? Have you been let down by your friends? Have you been let down by church? Have you been let down thinking this is bad? This, this situation shouldn't have gone down that way. He shouldn't have said that. He should have did this. My friend should have walked me through the front door and say, I'm paralyzed. Jesus, come talk to me. They let me down. 
They literally walked me on the roof and let me down. Now, he may have thought that was a bad thing, but it ended up being a great thing. You see, church, my point is there are times in life where we're going to be let down by those around us, people around us, communities around us, and God is in the midst of being let down saying, that is when I will work who I am with some get-up faith. Do you understand? Are you willing to be lowered today? Are you willing to be lowered today? Are you willing to be lowered my question is, is there are those among us who, you know, want to be leaders. And every leader who's come to me knows that the first, I'm going to ask them to do lots of other things besides lead first. Clean bathrooms, clean the kitchen, mop the floor, help me with the trash can, help me with that dumpster. It's a mess. Help me with the bugs we have back here. Help me with the roof leak. There's a lot that I need leadership on. Are you willing to be lowered first? Because I tell you, when you're lowered, you have a great opportunity for some get-up faith. Amen? Amen? Amen. So as I was talking about the roof, this picture came to mind here. Um, now, you can, you can take a look at that and, and say, that's, well, that's not a roof. That's a ceiling. That's a drop ceiling. It looks like a lot of our ceilings outside the sanctuary here. You see, this sanctuary has a pitched roof. Um, this roof is fine. It's not leaking. Um, by God's glory, uh, it, it protects us and allows his, his presence to fill this place. But outside the sanctuary is all these other rooms, our gym, our kitchen, plenty of classrooms. And outside there is drop ceiling because we have a flat roof. A flat roof means that water accumulates on that flat roof, and then it goes supposedly to the drain systems and then drain out. That's how it's supposed to work. And when it doesn't work that way, you get leaks. And when you have leaks, you have a man like this who opens up a drop ceiling and climbs up in there to try to take a look at it. We got a lot of this going on. I just want to tell you. Some of you aren't aware, and I've had comments to me about, you know, maybe I need to make this more clear. Outside the sanctuary, across this building, we have a $200,000 roof leak. $5 ain't going to solve it. $50,000 ain't going to solve it. It's a $200,000 roof leak. It's all or nothing. We've had to investigate it many, many, many times. So at this point, we don't have $200,000. We're working towards that by God's glory. And we believe, and I'll get to what we believe. But in the meantime, there are things we need to do. We need to deal with drainage. We need to deal with these holes in the roof. And, and we have men, and that picture, you know, you may wonder, is that a picture of one of our men? It could be. Chuck and Brother Ed get up there a lot and look just like this. Um, so it's, it's not Brother Chuck or Brother Ed. This is a picture from the Internet. And um, uh, what I want to tell you is, is I wonder sometimes about these openings in our roof. This scripture reminds me about openings in our roof. It makes me think about openings in the roof. So I want to tell you two things, and then I'll move on real quick. One, um, this scripture has been highly scrutinized by theologians and historians. Many people have reviewed this over and over again. And if you watch any of these stories of, like, the Jesus Bible times, you know, where Jesus is walking through, you know, Israel or, or in this case, Capernaum, the house were like huts, and the huts, were the, the, the roofs were like straw. And it was very commonplace to go through the roof. They had hatches all the time to lower things into the roof because of the way the towns were set up. So the fact that these men pulled apart some of the roof was not destruction of property. This was something that happened often. Um, it, maybe not to lower people down in it. Um, so this wasn't destruction of property. This was something to get their attention and to, to use what was around them as access. So I'm not trying to advocate that we should you know, go above and beyond and think that through sin we can somehow glorify God. No. No, that's not how it works. When you sin, there's a price to pay. When you glorify God is when you avoid sin. Amen? Amen. So when I think about this roof opening and I'm thinking about this story, 
you know, I wonder, well, Lord, you could easily fix this roof. He could, like that, make all the roof leaks go away. Or he could, like that, have somebody here and drop off. We need about another $100,000. He could drop off $100,000. One guy could write a check, or one lady could write a check, or one company could write a check and finish it. I'm a huge, huge Oakland Raiders fan. There's no surprise. I'm therefore a very big Derek Carr fan. Those of you who don't know that, he signed a $125 million contract. 25 are guaranteed this year. Have I wrote him an email asking for $100,000 for my roof? So that doesn't, we may get, we may get somebody to give us money or not. I don't know. That's not the point. The point I'm asking you, church, is this. The point I'm saying is, I come in every time I come to that building, and I'm sure Brother Chuck and Brother Ed, who are intimately involved in our board, our larger board who knows about it, I don't know why I'm off on this tangent, I just need to share this. When I walk through those doors, whether it's the front doors or back doors, almost the first thing I always do every time, and I don't know why I do it, but it's the first thing, and you guys probably do the same thing, is I look up. I don't know why, I guess, I guess I'm expecting to see a leak. I don't know, Did I, is there another one now? Again, the ceiling doesn't leak, the roof does, so looking up's not gonna do very much any good. But it's a habit, I always look up. And then I think to myself, and I was praying about this last night, is that a bad thing, Brother Chuck, for me every time I walk into church and look up? I tell you, it's not a bad thing. I wish all of you would come in this church and look up. Not just because of the roof, but because look, there's nothing in this church that's gonna solve your problems or change your life but what is up. It's not me, it's not these leaders, it is God. It's not any words I'm going to use outside of in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, and he resides in heaven today at the right hand of the Father. So if it takes a roof leak for me to look up every time I come in this church to remind this young pastor that it's not about money, it's not about a roof, it's about Jesus, then so be it. I'll take the roof leak. Amen? Amen. And I do believe that when we put together, church, some of that amazing faith, when we put together, church, some of that together faith, and church, when we put together some of that get up faith, I guarantee you we'll fix that roof. Amen? And if we're this little teeny tiny church with these little teeny tiny resources and funds can use our money to fix a roof that expensive, imagine what this little teeny tiny church can do with that kind of money in this community. And then when we do that, imagine this little teeny tiny church not being so little teeny tiny anymore. And imagine what we would be doing with our money. Amen? Amen. I got to move on. Mark chapter 2, verse 6. You go on just a few verses, and it says these words. When Jesus saw their faith, and I've already preached about seeing faith, amazing faith, he said to the paralyzed man, and I put it in red because I love the red text. It's like when Jesus talks, I started doing that. So the red text there, son, your sins are forgiven. Hopefully that's not hard to read. I got these glasses. Yeah, okay. Son, your sins are forgiven. In King James Version, it says child or my child. The first thing I have to say is, God, you are my father. Father, I need you. If he is our father, then he loves you. He created you. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are perfectly and wonderfully made. God the Father loves you. Do you not get that, church? He is our father, and he created you, and he loves you, and he wants what's best for you, and he'll stop at nothing until you have it. We just as little kids get in the way all the time. But he is our father. So when he was laid down in front of Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, son, your sins are forgiven. This is very peculiar. They just ripped open the roof. They lowered the man down. And the first thing Jesus says is, Sons, son, your sins are forgiven. Get that in your head for a second. First, what you need to realize is that Jesus Christ is capable of healing anything. Get this in your head. Jesus Christ 
is capable of healing anything. He's created your mind. He's created your body. He's created your spirit. He's created your soul, and he can heal it all. He is especially concerned with your spiritual healing because if you live a life of prosperity here on earth and you lose your own soul, what good is it? But if you suffer a little bit here on earth and you have a mansion waiting for you in heaven, now many people say that's a weird way to think about it. It is a weird way to think about it. God doesn't think about it that way. He says he wants to bless you. If you suffer here on earth, if you go through all the, 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 the pains and agonies of being a victim in everything you single to do, the Lord says, I can restore your past. I can redeem your past. I can renew your past. But if you want to live that life, fine. And so what God is trying to tell you today is that he can heal anything. Spiritual healing is where he starts. And often he starts with your past. He starts with your past. So church, if you have something today in your way of achieving what your next level is, if you have something in your path, something that is preventing you from accomplishing what God has for you, what you have for yourself, this greater uh, calling that God is putting on your life because something in your past, because of some sin, because of some uh, experience, because of some environment, because of some culture, because of some community, because of some sense of addiction, because of some sense of oppression, because of some sense of a relationship, because of something in your past that holds you back, Jesus is here to tell you he can heal heal it and he wants to start there church he wants to start there your sins are forgiven here's the crazy thing about this though church they didn't believe him it's a crazy thing everyone are like i don't believe you I don't believe you. you can't forgive sins that's what they said they don't believe him it's interesting i, I need to point this out i'm not going to end at 12 today because i got things in my heart so i got to say this Look, 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 I need, I need you to hear this. I need you to hear this. I have people come into church all the time. They come into church all the time. And they come up to the altar and we talk about what's going on in their life perhaps or they don't share that much and they just say, look, I, I, I need forgiveness for my sins. And I have prayed with them much like Jesus and asked God to forgive them. I can't forgive sins. I can't do that. Jesus can. So I, through his authority, I ask Jesus to heal and forgive them of their sins. And there's never a Sunday that goes by, rarely, a Sunday that goes by, that anybody says, oh, I don't believe God can forgive sin. No one says, oh, that, that's crazy. That's blasphemy, like they said here. It's crazy talk. God can't forgive sins. Nobody tells me that. But now, if I said the other thing, okay, okay, now, oh, so you're suffering from something? Let me ask God to heal you? If I ask God to heal, well, that's crazy. God doesn't heal anybody. He only forgives sins. What? Jesus walked around and all he did was heal people over and over and over again. He finally gets around to saying, I'm going to forgive your sinner like you're crazy. Do you see how it is today, church? Things are completely backwards. They're completely backwards. He came to heal sin. He's healing the body just as icing on the cake. And now today, we'll take the sin, but we won't take any of the icing. It's crazy, isn't it? Okay, so as I look at the scripture, I tell you, it says, son, your sins are forgiven. Why did he say this to this man? Because I told you before, this man was downtrodden. This man was thinking, what have I done in my life that's so terrible, so poor, so awful that I'm a paralytic? What have I done? I can't possibly be forgiven of it. And Jesus says in front of everyone, your sins are forgiven. Immediately a weight come off of his back. Immediately, immediately this, this burden of how bad am I and why do bad things happen to good people immediately was erased and he realized that finally he is just like everyone else, a human being. 
And that's what we need to do, church, as Christians. Treat people like human beings, meeting them where they are, meeting them where their pain is, understanding where they are. Jesus was the best at understanding who you were and where you were and what you needed to hear. And we as Christians, we can do the same thing. We just need to do it. Practice it. Try it. Move in it. The Spirit will help you. And in this case, in this case he said, your sins are forgiven. The weight came off of them. Then every people complained, and then Jesus said, now it's time for some icing. He says, what's easier to do? Forgive sins or tell you to stand up and walk? The crazy thing is they saw him heal plenty of people. So they're probably thinking it's probably, it's probably easy for you to heal people, but I, I don't believe you're going to uh, heal sins, forgive sins. So he says to them in this word he says here, he says, I will prove to you that I am the son of man and I have the authority here on earth to forgive sins. I'm going to prove that to you by telling this guy something. I'm going to tell him the choice words are your sins are forgiven. But I'm going to tell him something else right now. Church, do you understand what I'm saying? That Jesus said, I'm going to prove to you that we have authority here on earth. We have authority here on earth. We have authority here on earth. We have authority here on earth over the spiritual wickedness in high places, over the demons and evil in this world, over the hatred and bigotry. We have authority over it in Jesus' name. Do you understand that, church? We have authority, and we have authority to bring people together using together faith and amazing faith and a little bit of get-up faith to allow people to see the power of God manifest in their life. And I hope to God I can be a part of that in your life and in mine. So then he said to the man these words. He said in verse 9 through 12, get up, take up your mat, and walk. And then it says, quote, he got up, took up his mat, and walked. I'm going to begin to close here, Amber, so if I, I will give you a little more time because she's got to get the baby situated, and, and you know, and, and we are so, look at baby Owen. How quiet is he? He's not crying. Baby Owen's a church baby. We have two church babies who were born and raised in church in board meetings. <laughs> we're going to have the youngest board, board members ever on the face of the earth. I have two of them, two infants in board meetings. Um, all right, so I'm thinking about this in verse 9. Jesus says, get up. It's in red. The red text means Jesus says it. Get up, take up your mat, and walk. Church, this is what I'm talking about with a little bit of get up faith. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. Getting up and walking. I did a message a little while ago called Get Up and Eat. You guys remember that? Get Up and Eat. This was for those in ministry who are in the wilderness, those who are trying to lead and trying to take to the next level and can't quite get there and keep feeling the struggles of ministry and the struggles of those around them and the struggles of being a Christian. And it was Get Up and Eat. You can go listen to that message. This is a different message. This is for those who are at another level in their life, who, who, who are right about to receive God's glory in their life today and don't recognize it, or maybe have already received it and don't recognize it. They need to get up and walk. Get up and walk. What does this mean? This means you need to wake up out of your bed, get up, and start doing something for Christ. It's very easy to wake up, but some of you won't get up. Some of you won't get up. And what am I saying, church? What I'm saying is so many of us, we wake up in the morning with these burdens and these stresses in our life, and, 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 and we, we, we let it just pull us down throughout the course of the day. And sure, we woke up. We woke up. But we're carrying it around with us everywhere we go. It's like we need people to almost carry us. We need our mom to help us. We need our dad to help us. We need our boss to help us. Everybody needs to coddle us. Everybody needs to help us. Carry our mat around. Carry our mat around. That's not what this says. It says, get up and walk. And so the man 
got up, took up his mat, and he walked out. Church, when God moves in your life, he will give you the strength to obey. He will give you the strength to do what you find impossible. He will give you the strength to do what you can't fathom doing. He will give you the strength to amaze those around you. He will give you the strength for people to say, is that really him? Is that really her? Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're achieving. Look how God is using them. God will give you the strength to do it. That's called get up faith. All you got to do is get up. You see, church, what we have to do is we have the strength to carry on. We have the strength to do the impossible, church. But all too often, we want to be the victim of everything that's happening at church, happening at home, and we want to carry it all with us. God said, look, he said, you're going to carry it. You're going to carry it. I'm going to heal you of this. I'm going to move you to the next level. But you're still going to have the burdens of this life. You're still going to have to deal with the people in this world. You're still going to have to, I'm not removing all of that. You're still going to have to do it. I'm just going to give you the strength to do it, church. And you're going to carry that mat with you as a testament that you ain't laying on it anymore. You're bringing it with you everywhere you go to say, I'm going to the next level. Here's the next level. I'm going. Here's the next level. I'm going. Here's the next level. I'm going. And I don't need anybody to carry me. Church, get up faith activates the impossible. This man couldn't walk, and now he's walking. This man couldn't feel his legs, and now he's feeling his legs. This man was doing things he never envisioned ever doing, and now he's doing them, church. That's what God can do in your life. Amen. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.